Hello, I'm Alex Towles, and you're listening to More Than A Beautiful Game, a podcast about how you can get into the world of football without being really good at kicking one. This episode, we'll be taking a look into the business end of a football club. We'll be talking to York City's media officer, Dan Simonite, about what it's been like to be almost the only point of contact between the fans and the club over the past year. Hello, Dan. Hey, Alex. How are you? I'm pretty, pretty good. Yourself? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, pleasure. It's a pleasure. So you are the media officer at York City Football Club. Uh, what does that job entail? What do you do? Yeah, so pretty self-explanatory in the title. I handle everything media for York City Football Club. So pretty much anything you see from us will come from me. You know, I run the whole social media channels, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, now TikTok as well. Um, expanding and uh, I'll do the match day programmes as well for the games and stuff. And I also act as the club's press officer. So, you know, if someone wants to speak to Steve Watson, one of the players maybe, they contact me and we set up press conferences, interviews, stuff like that. And then another part of my job is, I guess, the sort of marketing aspect of the club and trying to get people through the gates, which I, I suppose I sort of do through social media. So yeah, it's a pretty broad job. And how long have you been working at York City? How, how long have you been doing this? I've been doing it nearly two years now. It's been two seasons already because all both have been null and void. So I'm yet to have a full season in the job. But, but uh, yeah, I've been there nearly two years. Uh, and how has your job been affected by the pandemic? Obviously, we've been in lockdown for over a year at this point. How does it change from a media perspective, being able to like see fans, see people in person compared to doing it all online? Yeah, it's changed a lot. Obviously, my job's become way more important. You know, if you want to watch a football game at the moment, you've got to watch it for a TV. Um, for us, that means we're live streaming games. So, you know, you're watching York City through YouTube. So, you know, that's essentially my job to produce that live stream and stuff. So, yeah, it's been pretty much a shift into digital. I'm looking forward to everything going back to normal. Hopefully, I think it's June or July, I think, isn't it? Just seeing the fans again, because, you know, at the moment in games, it's, you know, obviously I go to the games, report on them and stuff. It's empty stadiums, no atmosphere, and it just feels like a bit of a training game, if you know what I mean. It, there's not that football feel about it. And, you know, hopefully we're going to see that come back next season. So, you know, I'm buzzing for that. But yeah, we've, it's adapted to digital and I think we've done really well in that, in that regard. And it's sort of pleasing to see the reaction and response we got from all the new digital stuff we're doing to sort of keep fans engaged during this time. So yeah, it's been a pretty much full on since the pandemic started. During the pandemic, York have moved stadiums, actually. They've gone from Booth and Crescent, which is a really historic ground, over to the new LNER Community Stadium. How has uh, managing that move, managing the public image of that move during a pandemic been? Yeah, I mean, it's probably been the worst possible time to move. We've been waiting for this move, I think, for I think the chairman's been working on it for 18 years or something. And it just so happens to be happening when we're in a worldwide pandemic. So it was the case that our last game we had minimal fans in, we had 627, I think, fans of Boogan Crescent for the last game against Geisley. And we had no fans in the first game at the new stadium, which you know, it was obviously hard um, and it's obviously hard when people can't see the new stadium. But in terms of sending off Boogan Crescent, we produced this one video, actually, the Farewell Boogan Crescent video. It got over a million views, got on TalkSpot, The Guardian, 
all that stuff it sort of just encompassed what Booth and Crescent meant to the fans and mm. you know really resonated with them and you can see it on YouTube if you want just type in farewell Booth and Crescent and it will come up but yeah that's the sort of things we've been doing to send off the ground obviously in normal circumstances we'd have better you know we visioned an actual full packed out stadium we'd have some sort of concert on or something we'd build it into a big massive occasion but obviously with the pandemic and social distancing we just can't so um mm. yeah it's been hard managing the new stadium obviously Bougain Crescent as you said is a traditional ground people hold it in really high regard um which is great to see but obviously it's not fit for a football club really who wants to be in the football league and you know we're moving into a stadium which is you know I'd say league one championship level we call it mini Wembley really because it's it's that good once you actually get up close and, and see it and experience a match day there I guarantee it's going to be the place to go in York and you know the place to watch football hopefully in North Yorkshire. Focusing back in on that farewell Bootham Crescent video obviously that was kind of the centerpiece of the uh, stuff that you did on social media with it so obviously you were pretty heavily involved and as you said it got very widespread attention getting over a million views so can you tell us a little bit more about the behind the scenes of putting that video together and what your involvement was in creating that yeah so i you know i started this video probably about a year ago to be honest with you you know they said when i started oh we'll be in the new stadium in two months so it was sort of like a rush to get everything ready because people sort of before me hadn't really done much in terms of um, documenting the process of moving ground so, you know, I've been doing this video for ages. The first started with interviews just with fans and stuff. And I originally wanted to release them as sort of individual clips, just fans' memories. But I sort of, sort of think about it and it was like, well, why don't I just build this into a big video? You know, and I think it was about four minutes long, I think, the video. And it's just a load of well-known fans speaking about Boom Crescent, their memories, with a bit of emotional music behind it. And then, you know, at the start, you've just got, a sort of like mini, not a tour of the ground, but just sort of um, bits of the ground people don't see and, you know, really showing the sort of terrace culture of the ground and stuff like that. And then in between that, I've just put in a bit of archive footage. So obviously York City, historical club, you know, they've made it to the semi-final of the FA Cup against Newcastle. They've uh, got to uh, Wembley twice in eight days when we went up to League Two. So, you know, there's a lot of history there. And, you know, I just sort of wanted to put that all into one video, produce that and put it out. And to be honest, I'd, I did expect it to do quite well, but I didn't expect it to get a million views. You know, I would have been happy with, you know, 10,000. To be honest, that would have been made me over the moon. But I think 10, uh, sorry, not 10 million, 1 million um, is amazing. And yeah, something I'll definitely look back on. Obviously, it's not just yourself who is... Uh working on doing farewell things at Booth and Crescent. You're also liaising with other media groups. So can you tell us about what it's like working with other media groups who are coming in and producing packages that aren't just York City official stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's a really important aspect of the job. As I said, like, obviously I'm the press officer as well for York City. So anyone who wants to do sort of media, anything like that, contact me and we sort of um, get that sorted, essentially. We do a lot with BBC Radio York. Uh, the York Press, York Mix, York Radio. We do a lot with the student newspapers as well and, you know, radio shows and that. And, you know, I'm always happy to help these people, especially um, when the students and that, because I was in that position uh, a couple of years ago. So as I said, that's a, a sort of big aspect of the job, liaising with other media outlets and really pushing your message further. 
And, you know, as I said, off the back of that Farewell Moving Crescent video, we got on TalkSport, The Guardian, you know, big publications like that contacting us. So, you know, that's unreal considering they'd rather probably report on someone like Leeds United if they're looking at Yorkshire football. So, um, you know, that was really pleasing. And uh, yeah, that's a, another aspect of the job, I guess. So Moving Stadium hasn't been the only part of managing York City's social media over the last year or so. You've also, as you mentioned, had two seasons get null and voided in the last two years. What's it been like being almost the one to tell people that the seasons happen to be cancelled again? Yeah, it's obviously a hard one. The club secretary would probably know first because she liaises directly with the league and then the league would send us a statement in terms of um, what their decision is to null and void it. And, you know, obviously then we put the statement out and then we'd probably do a response statement, our own sort of statement to say how we feel about it. I mean, the first time it came around, it was, I don't know if you know much about that season, but we were top for most of the season. We were, yeah, we were top when the season sort of postponed because uh, of COVID in March and there was only eight games left. I think Kingsley, who was second, had a couple of games in hand, but on points per game, they were, you know, over us just fractionally like 0.0 something ridiculous <laughs> mm. so the league we got wins that it was going to be on points per game and normally you get two promoted from our league one automatically one through the playoffs and obviously they were going to do it points per game so that meant Kingsland would go up which is fair enough you know their points per game better than us they deserve it that's what mm. football's about really you know um they won the most games in the less amount of time. But yeah, we were fine with that. And it was just the case of they didn't want to play any more games. So they weren't going to promote another team. Mm -hmm. So we started this campaign to actually get the playoffs back on in mm -hmm. the North and, and South divisions. And we call that Promote 2. Mm -hmm. So we did that at the time, you know, coming up to two years ago now again. It was just hashtag Promote 2, you know, support us with our know fight to get football back on you know we want to play football we can do it safely uh, we're all professional teams you shouldn't be null and void in our league sort of thing you know because we are elite sport and that was what the government said they want elite sport to continue so we sort of fought for this we got it actually number one trending in the uk and ireland on twitter so it wasn't just us who wanted it it was the whole football community who saw that this wasn't right and you know york city and all uh, it wasn't just about us getting promoted. It was just about giving us a chance to get promoted because obviously we knew we'd have to do playoffs. So we essentially got, how many teams are in the playoffs? It's seven, I think. Oh, six, sorry. So six teams in each division, 12 teams, the chance of promotion. Now, unfortunately, we actually went out in the first round to Altrincham when we actually got this overturned and, and sorted. So yeah, that was, it was really hard then because obviously we built up so much excitement about getting these playoffs on and playing and saying, oh, we're going to give it our best effort. But it's it's down to what happens on the pitch. You know, um, results can really help my job, if you know what I mean, because, you know, it's a lot easier to do my job when we're winning. What's, what's not easy is when we're losing and people are, you know, negative and complaining about the team and you know, there's not really much I can do. You know, we can out some positive news stories and stuff we're doing in the community commercial stuff but essentially if the team's not doing well then it makes my job a lot harder so yeah it's been hard these past two seasons because obviously we haven't got the promotion that we've been sort of going for and you know we should be in the leagues higher we've got to stay another season in this division which is frustrating but yeah i really believe next season is the one as i said every start of every season and you know i really believe in the management 
team and uh, and the team he's going to put together. And you know, I can't wait for next season. It's going to be great. I think it starts on August the twelfth. So um, yeah, it'll be long old slog, but um, yeah, hopefully we can do it this time round. Changing tack slightly. Is there a part of the job that you found surprising that you weren't expecting to have to do when you arrived? Yeah. So obviously, everyone sees I. You know, I work for a football club. You know, for me, when I was at uni doing sports journalism, whatever, that was the ideal job. You know, I'd look, you know, I really wanted to do that. That was all I wanted to do. When you're at a Premier League club, you know, I'd done some sort of experience with them. It was all glamorous, big stadiums, you know, really great facilities, press facilities and stuff. When you're at a club like York City, when we're in this division as well, you know, I'm not just doing media, essentially. Sometimes I'm the kit man on match day. I'm picking up the phone in the office, being the administrator, working a bit in the club shop, helping out with packing orders and stuff. You know, everyone's got to muck in. You're all a, a small team and we are a big team for this division. We get a lot of interest and, you know, that creates a lot of work. But yeah, everyone mucks in and I suppose that's the most surprising as well as, you know, when you go to these other grounds, you know, like Kettering or Leamington where you're sat in the middle of the field or something and you're reporting with no Wi-Fi and, you uh, you know, no power and you're running back to your car just to charge your laptop from the the cigarette charger for half an hour at half time. So yeah, there's another probably most surprising thing about it. Hmm. You offered me a convenient segue there into the next segment of the uh, show because you've uh, mentioned how you were a student doing sports journalism and you mentioned how you did work experience at Premier League clubs. So let's go a little bit deeper into that and start talking about how you got to be social media manager at York City. Obviously, it's a little while now since you were at uni, but what did you do at uni? What were you looking at when you were at university for next steps to get to where you are? Well, I graduated from uni in 2019. So yeah, I went straight from uni into this job, essentially. I went to Northumbria Uni. I did just media and journalism, just straight up media and journalism, not sport or anything. And I initially went to uni in 2015. So straight out of sixth form, um, went to uni and I went to do PR, but, you know, I dropped out in the first week. So, you know, I realised it wasn't really for me, wasn't really ready for uni, etc. So I took a year out, decided really what I wanted to do. And in that year out, I actually, obviously, you know, the football game, football manager, mm-hmm. I wrote a few articles on that for this football manager website. It was like, you know, most underrated players on the game sort of things. You know, I just really like the research aspect of that and just finding these players in like the Mexican second division or something where it's just interesting to me anyway. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I thought, you know what, I, you know, I want to do journalism. So at that point I enrolled for media and journalism. So I changed, I went back to uni, same uni, Northumbria and done that essentially. And, you know, the big thing for me at uni was, and getting into this role was experience and doing stuff because obviously your degree is your bread and butter you know everyone's going to get that at the end of it you know if you think you've got for me it was like 30 people on my course you're sort of competing all against them to get the jobs afterwards really because you think how many courses there are in the UK there's so many graduates coming out afterwards we've got all going for the same job so you've got to do something to something different or specialize in something to show that you're keen and, and really get further but yeah, essentially it's quite long-winded, but I'll just go through my sort of work history while I was at uni. In my first year, I did an internship with BT Sport with York City. So there's the link there. I basically recorded all home games at Boogan Crescent for the club, and that would be on their highlight show afterwards. So, you know, I'd get the train down from Newcastle, 
they pay my expenses and stuff. And that was every like Tuesday night and Saturday. So you know, I did that consistently and, you know, that got my foot in the door and that's how they remembered me for this when I graduated. So yeah, I did that for a year and obviously the team got relegated after that. So BT didn't cover their games anymore. So they want any job for me there. So I obviously went back up north and started doing work for Blythe Spartans, another club in our division. So I basically just did the program, match their program for them. A uh, bit of social media stuff and that really got me ingrained with a club and I was like, yeah, you know, I want to work for a club here. Like, this is what I enjoy. In that second year as well at uni, I also did some work with Northumberland Football Association. Same sort of thing, just managing social media and stuff, you know, PR and stuff like that, events. And that was fun. And I also wrote for the like student newspaper up there as well, just reporting on, you know, random sports like water polo and basketball and stuff like that, which was quite enjoyable to be fair. And yeah, so that led me on to my third year. Northumberland FA offered me a part-time job alongside my studies, which, you know, so fortunate to get, you know, a lot of students don't get that opportunity at all. But yeah, that, that was good. So, you know, I was only in uni twice a week, uh, well, two days a week, which is crazy when you think about it, because two days out of seven, that's mental. But I just thought, you know, I'm, I'm either just going to sit around and do nothing during these other five days, or I can do something which will help me when I graduate. So that's what I did. Went and worked for them. Really enjoyed it. They offered me, you know, properly part-time, I think three days a week after that, after I graduated. Um, so I did that for about a month. So when I graduated, I actually sent an email to York City and I said, look, I'm, I'm available now. Do you remember me? Like I was, I did the camera and stuff. I'd love to be considered for a media role. And, you know, it just so happened that the guy who was in the media position was leaving. So couldn't have timed it better. Um, obviously at a club like York, you only have one uh, media person. So essentially it was just right place, right time. Uh, they were like, yeah, come in for an interview. And yes, I, I got the job surprisingly. And obviously it's my hometown club, commutable in the car from where I live when I live with my mum. So it was, it was a great first job and couldn't ask for anything more. You know, it's my, my club and, you know, I really enjoy my job. And yeah, that's essentially how I got into it. Just experience and putting your name out there. And, uh, you know, just contacts really, you know, that's the main thing here because, you know, without that initial first year, York City wouldn't have remembered me and I wouldn't have got an interview and they probably would have regarded it as just, just a random person applying. But the big thing is they remembered me. Um, they remembered how consistent I was, you know, I turned up every week, I was keen and that's what they were really looking for. Mm. Uh, and you mentioned there a lot of work experience that you did during uni, not just working with York for BT working uh, with the Northumbria FA as well. How, how did you get these opportunities? How, how did you go out and find these jobs that you did while doing your degree? It's just, well, some of, some of them obviously just come up on social media and that, but I find the best way is just to actually contact people. Mm-hmm. Not like just emailing the generic email on the website. You know, if you find a, a company or an organisation you want to work for and do some work for, contact the actual media guy there find him on LinkedIn or ring up and say, oh, can I speak to the press officer or media manager? And then they're always, you know, so happy to help students because you've got to remember that, you know, all these people were in your shoes before. So, you know, they're more than likely ready to help you out if there's space available and stuff. And yeah, I'd just say get in touch with via LinkedIn or pick up the phone and ask. That's the best way to do it, to show you're keen and just say, look, I'm a student. I want to do some work for you. This is what I can offer you. 
I'm good at this, this, and this, you know, I know if this is something you don't do at the moment, but it's something I can offer and I can do for free. Obviously they're going to bite your hand off for that because you know, that you're offering something for free. You're getting the experience and you know, more often than not, they'll just pay your expenses as well. So it won't cost you anything. So yeah, that's essentially how I'd approach people and get the experience. And that's how I did it as well, really just, just asking the question because people aren't going to go and post opportunities more often than not. You're going to have to go ask and, and go get them. Mm. Uh, and you, you mentioned LinkedIn there, and LinkedIn has actually been a bit of a theme of these podcasts, actually. A couple of people have dropped it as a really useful site that they've used to get in touch with people. So how important would you say LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, other social medias are? Yeah, obviously it totally depends on you know what industry you want to get in and such, but you know I can only speak on sport and you know, sport journalism, sport media, and probably media as a whole, to be fair. But I find the best platforms for this industry we're in would be Twitter for one and LinkedIn. I don't do anything on Instagram. That's probably more just like personal stuff, you know, post picture of your dog or something, you know? Um, <laughs> and then uh, Facebook as well. I'll do a little bit on there, but not a lot because it's not really, you know, you don't really connect with people on Facebook, I guess. Mm-hmm. So in terms of connecting with people, Twitter, definitely just because it's so easy to, you know, tweet someone, they'll see it, you can message people on there, etc you know, everyone's on there if you're in the media and LinkedIn as well, because the reach you get on your posts are unreal. Like, you you know, if you can add anyone as a connection and then once you add the connection, they can see your post. So, you know, I can add the head of media at Manchester City and, you know, he'll accept me and then he can see my post. So that's the same as him following me essentially, but on LinkedIn, you don't need him to follow you. So then I go and post a load of stuff out. He'll then see that you know, that's a potential lead there in terms of, you know, someone who might see my work and think, oh, this guy's quite good. Um, You know, I might get in touch with him. And, you know, I've had a few opportunities through there in terms of even when I was a student, just people reaching out and saying, oh, you know, I like the work you do. Do you want to come and do some stuff for us or whatever, you know, paid or unpaid? Like it doesn't really matter at that stage when you're a student. And yeah, there's so many opportunities from my work at York as well in terms of like, people want to do freelance stuff with me I don't really do much of that just because I don't have the time but you know I could potentially go and do some freelance video stuff with people and uh, yeah that's I think LinkedIn is a really underrated platform if you want to connect with people and I'd say if you're a student you should definitely be adding you know everyone you see on LinkedIn in terms of what industry you want to go into you know when I was a student I was adding every press officer in the football league I could find so um, just to make that connection with them so say if there is a job what comes up or something you'll be the first to see it because that personal post on their platform mm. um, and obviously then you can reach out to people you know say you want to work at let's say Ipswich Town or something you know you can message the head of media on there and just say is there any sort of jobs going you know I'd really like to work for you etc so mm. yeah it's a really really good platform LinkedIn I really like it. Looking forward for you looking into the future uh, what does the next couple of years for you look like? Obviously, you've been at York for a couple of years now. Are you looking to stay there for the foreseeable? Are you, this is your dream job? Or have you got any anywhere else you'd be looking to go and do in the future? Yeah, obviously, I mentioned earlier, like my this is my hometown. This is the club I support. So essentially, this was my dream job. It came a lot quicker than I thought. You know, I thought I'd have to be in the industry a couple of years before I could apply for this job and, and get this job but I was just very lucky if I'm honest with you to get this job. So yeah, th- this is my dream job, but obviously now I've got my dream job. It's like, you know, what's next? You know, what, what do I look for? Uh, you know, one of the questions that 
I'm interview phase at York was what's the end goal here? Like, what do you, where do you want to go? Um, I sort of thought about it and I was, you know, I just said, you know, I want to work in the Premier League. So, you know, essentially a few years down the line, you know, I'd, I'd probably want to be working in the Premier League um, at some stage or even just, you know, national sport. It doesn't have to be football. You know, I just love everything about sport, social media. So anything what combines them two in a sort of capacity, which allows me to travel, do all that stuff that'd be great but obviously the time being you know i want to stay with york we've got a good project going here we're moving into a new stadium you know next season should be good hopefully we get promoted so i'd, I'd like to have a uh, that sort of experience that'd be great so yeah that's that's essentially the plan and uh, a final question if, if there's one bit of advice you could give to someone maybe in your shoes in about 2017-18 who's just in uni kind of wants to get involved in sports media, but not 100% sure. What would the one piece of advice be that you'd give them to uh, give them that first step? Yeah, I mean, networking is number one. In my opinion, I don't think you need, um, you know, employers look at your work history and who you are as a person before your degree, I feel. Obviously, you know, some jobs require a degree, um, which obviously this industry does. But, you know, I don't think it really matters if you get a 2-2, two, 2-1 two, two, first. Um, you know, I got a, a first. I don't think York even asked me about my grade. And, you know, it, it matters who you are as a person. I'd just say me in 2019, sorry, 2017, it was go out, speak to people, be kind to everyone, make sure you're consistent and try and spark conversations with people. Yourself, prime example, you know, reaching out to me and, and saying, do you want to come on my podcast and stuff? That's good because you're creating that link and obviously, you know, you're creating people who, who will know you in the future and stuff, you know, so that could stand you in really good stead. So yeah, I'd, I'd definitely recommend anyone, you know, don't feel like, you know, scared about it or something. I know I did when I first started, you know, just reaching out to these these people in, in sort of higher jobs when I, you know, when I was messaging people from like the Premier League and stuff, some people don't reply and stuff. It's fine. People are busy, but just try and get that experience. Try and get your name known, be consistent, show up and uh, try and do the best job possible. And people will remember you. There you have it. Be nice to people and people will be nice to you. Thanks very much, Dan, for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Yep, nice one. Thank you so much for having me on, Alex. Is, is, have you got any social media that uh, people could follow you on if they're interested in what you do? Yeah, um, they can follow me on well, obviously Twitter and LinkedIn is probably the ones. Um, you know, LinkedIn, just my name, Dan Simonite. And uh, Twitter is just Dan underscore Simonite. Um, just follow me on there, send me a message, whatever. I'm always happy to chat with people. And if you want to follow me for whatever reason and see what silly little gubbins I'm up to, you can follow me on Twitter at Alex Towels. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of More Than A Beautiful Game. Uh, you can find our other episodes on URY. Our intro and outro music is provided by Mr. Rory McLean. If you love it as much as I do, then you can find more just like it on Spotify. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on the next one.